I never know whether it's our service or, you know. I have, I have no, it could very well be me, but I think you guys are wonderful and beautiful and I'm, I'm breaking the whole thing. No, I, I look like a troll. That's what I told Nick. It was my, <laughs> no. my goal to be troll-like today. Terrible. It's fun talking Terrible. to people like like we all understand each other. It's in the same ilk as uh, Brad and Lisa over from Comic Book Couples yes. Council. Just absolutely, uh, you know, not at all confident in ourselves and so self-deprecating while at the same time actually being very interesting, honest, and amazing people. So, you know. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we're, and all extremely attractive, beautiful <laughs> human beings. I just recorded, I was just uh, recording with Brad last night because we're going through all the Godzilla movies. So we just recorded part two of that series. And that was, that was fun. In love, in love with movies, in love, in, 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 in love, in love, in love, movies. Take two, movie lovers. Welcome back to In Love with Movies. I'm Danny. And I'm Nick. And I never get hold, old. I never get tired. <laughs> I have no idea what word you're trying to say right now. I never get tired of hearing that song, that theme song. It's just like the person's voice. I was is say, like, it's, it's, a, it's a banger. It's, it's a banger. Yeah. It I haven't been introduced yet, technically. This oh, is yeah. the take two. Shh, 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 we recorded stop. A... No talkie. Shh, no talkie. Shh, shh. <laughs> it's a banger. Can I get an MP3? <laughs> This is uh, In Love With Movies, and what do we do here, Danny, real quick? We talk about love in movies. There you go, exactly. Okay, and today, <laughs> we are joined once again, and you may never even listen to this, I don't know. Uh, otherwise, uh, this is the second time we've attempted it to introduce our guest, before we lost the audio, Sean, please introduce yourself, tell people where you're at. I am Sean Eastridge, I'm hanging out in uh, good old hot Lana, and uh, I am the uh, the host, the creator and the host of the podcast, Missing Frames, where we watch all the movies we should have seen by this point in our lives. And very happy, very excited, delighted, and honored to be on this show. So thank you for having me. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of... <laughs> that's a lot to live up to. I appreciate it. You, the we're... pressure is on. Yeah, you sounded sincere both times you said it. That's weird. That's, that's, uh, that's how, you know, that's where you, you get you get the big bucks in the podcast. I was just going to say, it's, sound it's a sincere. Here. You sound sincere and you mean absolutely nothing. You don't mean anything you say. Yeah, I believe that. Well, I've been a fan of Sean's podcast for a while now, ever since our mutual friends, uh, Comic Book Couples Counseling, had introduced me to it. And now I listen to it regularly, and Sean is going to be discussing a movie before sunrise with us in the second half today uh, that is a bit of a missing frame for me. So we look forward to uh, having that. And if you're someone who uh, only likes to listen to the movie half of things, you can skip ahead now and just get to that there. But oh, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm we doing that right now. <laughs> Bye. Great talking to you. Talk to you guys in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we have a button for that? <laughs> Probably. We should, Wait, click we the magic button. Should. There it is. <laughs> this, I, oh, but the, we didn't actually go to the future. It does. The button is not magic enough to actually send us there. But. No, sadly, not literally. But it does make you, make you feel that way. Like, if you just close your eyes. <sighs> this was just very reminiscent of, sorry, the last movie we watched was Spaceballs. They're like watching themselves in the past and then it catches up to the present. Right. And then it's weird. This is going to be tough. The, 
this is the point where the internet broke. So really, that is exactly, we've kind of been watching us sort of have the same conversation. And now we are at the point where it's like, this is unknown, uncharted territory. Wild. Indeed it is. And this is where we start, because we hadn't even gotten there yet. We start talking to our guests about their love lives and their uh, history with love and their philosophy with love and what their relationship looks like now. So, Sean, tell our listeners, the movie everything. lovers, tell us everything. Everything. The worst. The you, worst. But you only have I 90 can't. seconds. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I, I don't even. Somebody help. No, I, uh, my, my wife and I, we have now, we have actually this month been together. Because we our first semi-date hangout was February 2012. So this is, we are in the, the time frame. It was right before Valentine's Day. I was going to ask. We were, both, we were both kind of like, oh, no. This is <laughs> the, the timing of this. And we're like, we just started hanging out. And we don't know if this is like a serious thing. And it happened right. Do we want to hang out on Valentine's Day? That was the conversation. And lo and behold, here we are. Many Valentine Day, Valentine valentine's days god man talking is not my strong suit <laughs> that's that, why you're a podcaster uh, i'm a podcaster exactly <laughs> that's, that's exactly it so uh we've been together now for for many moons and uh, i do have to ask been... what was the verdict did you hang out on that first valentine's day I don't think we did. I think we decided we were like, this is too much. It was, it was literally like, it was the, the, we hung out the weekend before. Cause I remember it was a Sunday and the Grammys were on. And the only reason I wanted to watch the Grammys is that one of my favorite bands, Wilco was nominated for okay. a best album award and they didn't win. So it was oh. completely the whole thing, the date, all of, it, the hangout, all of it, the hangout was just worthless. <laughs> so it was uh it was it was an experience, and we decided, you know what? We've only been doing this for a couple of days. Let's not let's not commit to anything. No worries about Valentine's Day, but you know, makes we're together. So nice. I feel like if we had hung out on Valentine's Day, maybe the relationship would have turned out differently. Maybe we would not be together. You put today. so much undue pressure on it instead of just letting it grow <laughs> organically the way that you yes. needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. If we were laid back about it, we were chill about it. It didn't need to be anything. So that wow. was it. That was how we met. Wild sounds are happening. I was just going to say, did you hear that too? Yeah, we're now at the beach. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> is that just a, a somebody rolling by on a scooter yelling, what the, who the fuck are you guys? Uh, sure, yeah, let's Stop do it. Stop recording a show. <laughs> My God. Well, fun fact, Wilco, that's a Chicago band, no? Yes. I every every person I meet from Chicago, uh, I, I tell them, I'm like, oh yeah, you, do you know Wilco? And they're like, no. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, why am I even talking to you? I've not met a single person from Chicago uh, here uh, where I've literally, it's the first thing I say. I'm like, oh, my favorite band, Wilco, they're from Chicago. And they're like, I don't know who that is. And I'm like, everyone, you're from Chicago. You should know who they are. And so thank you. Thank you. In Parks and Rec and they play the other band? No, that's. Um, Land Ho is the name of the band in Parks and Rec. I'm not confident enough to know whether that Jeff is Tweedy he by. is uh, he is in Parks and Rec. I know he makes the lead singer of Wilco has been in Parks and Rec, so it very well may be. Then I'm going to say yes, him. it probably is. <laughs> Look at all this random knowledge I'd be dropping. But anyways, back to you, Sean. Yeah, so <laughs> you did not uh, hang out for uh, the first Valentine's Day. Wait, wait, wait. That's I have right. a question. 
How did you meet before that? Oh, that's a good we question. We were we worked together. Oh, it was it was an office romance. Oh, um, it not probably definitely not nearly as entertaining as Jim and Pam, <laughs> but it was certainly an office romance. But that's how we met. So we kind of knew each other, and uh, a few months after I'd started working there. She sent me a Facebook friend request and started talking to me on Messenger. And I was like, oh, my God, she she likes me. She totally <laughs> she totally digs me because she was like, and then she's like, you want to come like hang out and watch the Grammys? And I was like, uh, yes. So <laughs> that was that was how we first hung out. That's how we met. And then it was like uh, it was a very dramatic relationship. We were like on and off for that whole practically that whole year from February until November. We were kind of. It was a it was a very like dramatic emotional roller coaster. Ooh. We would date and then we would break up, and it was always like you know there was she had another boyfriend that she was like I think I might still love him, so I'm gonna Whoa. date him for a bit, and I was like oh it's fine, I'll just go cry in the corner, <laughs> and and then one time I broke up with her. We went to a, a Toys R Us and we were in the parking <laughs> lot, and I was like you know what. I'm just worried we're just going to keep doing this thing. And I, I don't think, and I was like, do you maybe, I guess you don't want to go into Toys R Us, do you? And she was like, no, no. So she always, she always holds that against me. Um, the fact that I broke up with her in a parking lot in front of a, a Toys R Us. And then so, Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. So you I know. ruined her last chance that to was, go. Uh, we could have <laughs> saved them then and there and I ruined everything. So we did that for a while and, uh, Finally, like around October, November, it was right around when Skyfall came out. This is how nerdy I am. I'm like, yeah, what movie? Everything was is fine out? movies. Yeah, yeah. What was the what was the movie that sealed the deal? But that was I remember it was right before um Skyfall came out because we were broken up before that and then we got back together. And James Bond just just cemented that love and we were together. We've been together ever since. Aww. So it was really thanks to Daniel Craig and Sam <laughs> Mendes that our, our love has flourished. Did you guys go see that movie together and then you fell back in love or? No, we were already back together by that point. One of the times we broke up, it was right before Skyfall, and we were really sad because, like, oh, I was looking forward, looking forward to seeing Skyfall <laughs> together. And then we got back together, and it was like, great, we got to see it together. It all worked out. So, so it's like it was... PS and AS. Before Skyfall, <laughs> after Skyfall. It's true. It is a it is a monumental film. It is it is accomplished so many things. So um, including including the salvation of my uh, my my future marriage. I love that. I've never seen it. You should see it. I, I that could, do think you that might could have. be. That could be a oh my god! It would be even worse if you've seen it and you don't remember. <laughs> I, it. I, I know, be, right? I, like I the... would be distraught. I would be distraught. I would no, shed I so many tears. You definitely didn't see it in theaters. You probably didn't actually sit down and watch it from start to finish, but I mean, I've, I've had it on in front of to you. To be fair, Nick always has a movie running at any time. <laughs> so I've seen parts of every movie that's ever existed. Oh, just about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so question about, I just, I'm very interested in the coworker thing. Please. Nick and I were coworkers. Yeah. But he mostly ignored me when we were dating. Because he's like, do we have to keep but we, professional? But we stayed together. We didn't get on again, off again. Well, that's but my, maybe right. this is why. That's my question. Was it awkward? Like every time you guys broke up and you were still working together? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. But we didn't work. Um, we didn't work like we kind of worked together, but not really. We were in different departments and we had some interactions, but it was kind of it was pretty easy to like be very high school uh, emo and like not look at each other. And kind of, <laughs> kind of, 
some sort of like, you know, I'm not paying attention to you, that kind of thing, or like pass pass her in the hall and just go, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, that kind of thing. So that kind of made it easy. It wasn't wasn't awful. It wasn't the best for sure, but uh, but it was okay. That's <laughs> okay. And then, right. so what made you decide to like have her stick and now marry and produce offspring with her? <laughs> <laughs> well, she she's really uh, the best. It was just so much. It was so enjoyable to be with her. And at a certain point, I remember I was thinking, I was like, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. Like, it was just a very like, I uh, I very much in the movie we're talking about kind of played into it a little bit, but I'm very much. Uh, in the mindset of like meeting somebody and like having that spark and wanting to be single to allow for that to happen. So I was very in my relationships kind of like not super committed and not like not, not the worst, but definitely not the best and arguably terrible, <laughs> but in relationships. So a lot of it was that. And by the point I'd met Sarah, I'd gone through a few relationships like that. And was at the point where I was kind of, tired and exhausted of that method of relationshiping and this, just the constant like pursuit of something this ethereal whatever that mm. may or may not exist mm. and so with sarah it was like this is this is great this is by the time we were like together together uh it was it it had already felt good like when we were together uh even <laughs> Though our relationship was very all over the place. But by the time we were solidly together, it was just very, very comfortable. And I really enjoyed just being around her. And I was like, you know what? I This is, I'm enjoying this more. I, I think right now, if I could pick like the constant never ending uh, pursuit of romantic perfection or just being with Sarah for the rest of my life, I would rather be with Sarah and it was that it was basically that it was like a switch. I almost lost my breath when I said it because I wasn't breathing while I said all of that, but it was like a switch. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I'm, she and took I... my breath away. <laughs> and just not in the way you expected. Yes, exactly. We, uh, I woke up in the hospital and it was uh, terrible. That's not true. <laughs> she, said you, she took my breath away, literally, and I, I woke up and had passed out oh and was just on a Very on a street somewhere. For oh, a second. I was like, what? I, don't, I need to know that story. So I, I don't want to belabor this too much, I guess. I don't want because I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But I uh, yes, this we do. Is, <laughs> right? Um, it's fine. This is a particularly interesting thing to me because I feel like most of the people we talk to, you know, they have like a we started and then. You know, we've been together. So this is like extra interesting to me because you've obviously been together for a while now, even longer than Danielle and I, and it's clearly working out for you so far, you know. So it's this 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 up ebb and flow. And I love that you're talking about there seems to be this moment for you where you sort of realize that you were pursuing sort of the and correct me if I'm wrong, this is what I'm hearing. You're pursuing like the what if, the 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 romance, the yeah. like I want this like literally, you know this noise happens when I first see them, right? And yes. that you want that to occur. And it, it had not happened, but what you realize, like, it didn't happen because that's not really how, in my humble opinion, real well, love it was, does. Yeah, it was It was that it had happened before. Like, I'd experienced that. And it's a, it's a high that you're like, oh my mm. God, this is the best. And it's very exciting. But then when it becomes routine or familiar, mm. you start to feel like, I, I don't, I'm, this is getting too comfortable. Mm. It's getting too, like, normal too steady i want to i don't want to 
block myself off from experiencing that feeling again. But then what happens is like you're saying, the relationship isn't super meaningful and you're basically kind of using these people to get some sort of romantic fix before moving on. So I think it was just that realization that, you know, especially like through my college years, just kind of being sure. in that mode, it, I'd done that for a while and it started to realize like, like as I would meet someone new, I would kind of go fall into the same patterns and it started feeling less spontaneous and more like I knew what I was going to say mm. and how I was going to behave. And I was like, this is exhausting. And I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing this because now it doesn't feel real to me anymore. It feels like just kind of phony and I don't want to keep repeating this over and over again. Cause it only results in like people getting hurt and it, it it's not sincere and it's not real or meaningful. So it was kind of just that realization and wanting something meaningful and then kind of being in the right place. Both of us, both me and Sarah were in the right place at the right time. And it just kind of worked out. I love that. So I why. think that that's a very natural thing too. Like I used to kiss a lot of boys, <laughs> like a ton of me, boys. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Lots of boys. It oh was, yeah. Those was, were the days. Yeah, the good old days. Uh, it was my favorite thing to do. And I think when I first met Nick, I was like, oh, is this the last boy that I'm going to kiss? And that's like, I so like juvenile, but such a scary, like, oh, finite, like it's you have intense. to choose. Yeah. 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 And then you have to like, see if it's worth this being your last first kiss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's probably a movie about that. Your last first kiss. If not, I'm yeah. writing it. <laughs> yeah. Trademark, uh, <laughs> copyright, uh, <laughs> Loving movies LLC. We own the Reddit. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait. Um, no, I, I I really do think that's beautiful. I think that's fantastic. And and, and I don't want to belabor it too much because we do talk about it a lot on this podcast. But I do think that like sort of our culture encourages that definition of happiness in any form is like that high. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to contentment. And in my humble opinion, every good relationship has those highs also but you spend a lot of time, if you're lucky, at that contentment. But yeah. you're sort of trained from youth to think that, oh, it's supposed to be this high thing. And when it stops right. being that, it's no longer the thing that I'm supposed to be looking for. Well, I think it, we're like creatures of like, we we strive for greater things and we want greater things. And contentment is great. And I, I mean, of course, especially after having a kid, it's like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> I don't need to go outside ever again. Maybe I'll just stay here on the couch and watch... Uh, the Lord of the Rings, all the commentaries on every extended version forever and ever until the couch and I, <laughs> there's no Become separating <laughs> my, my, my body from the couch itself. But uh, like, I, I think it's, you know, and it's funny, it's not in this movie, but in the, before sunset, the, the two of them have a conversation about like, but not wanting anything. Isn't that like a sign of depression? It's like, we're, we are a species that wants and we want to strive and we want to do things. So it's like, it's a natural thing. But it's also when it comes to relationships, you don't ever, you don't gain anything meaningful if that's kind of your approach to relationships. Mm. Maybe fleeting and maybe like for a moment, but you're always going to end up going home by yourself and kind of sitting alone in your home or apartment and kind of, I don't know, at a certain point you start to question and say like, is this, is this better? Are these like intervals of like really awesome going out and meeting new people and and making out with people is that worth like these long stretches of just mm. kind of like mm. being on my own and alone and not really feeling like emotionally genuinely connected to anybody so i think 
And I think it is something like when you're younger and I think this movie demonstrates that as well as like when you are in your twenties or like teens, that's kind of the the thing yeah. that you do. And that's when you're supposed really to do it. And when you get older, you're kind of like, eh, maybe I, I don't want to do that as much. Maybe it's not as enjoyable or remotely fulfilling as, yeah. as it used to be. Yeah. I think the idea of being content or settling down is the scariest part about a relationship. Yeah. And that's why so many people don't. Yep. I say to Nick all the time, I'm like, do you think we're ever going to run out of things <laughs> to talk about with each other? And you say, yes. If, if you do, the podcast is over. There's no more podcast. I, I mean, mean there's no a pressure, reason, but. There's a reason we started bringing guests on. I'm just yeah. saying. Right. <laughs> Damn, boy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a very real fear. I do. But I also, the thing I've come to learn is that I think that fear also comes from the, what I've come to believe is false thinking in that you are sort of a fully baked person at any point in your life. And therefore, if you are a fully baked person, your values never change, your interests never change, your uh, preferences, personality, like nothing changes about you. And then in that context, it is very easy to assume that you will eventually get to a point where you have shared everything with this person that you have spent the significant portion of your life with and they know everything about you. You've told them everything you've ever thought. And you know, they know every history of your past, but the fact that we do change, the fact that we have an internal lives inside our heads that we can then choose how much we wish to share that internal life, there's always something new that's happening. There's always some new value, some new interest that can come up, and it's that sharing that therefore there's always generating new things. It's just, it doesn't feel the same because when you first meet a person, it's drinking from a fire hose. And yeah. then later on, it's like, okay, we've turned the faucet on occasionally. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Actually, it makes me think of this story that makes me chuckle every time. There's like, sometimes we go on morning walks and we go to Duncan because it motivates us to get out of the house. <laughs> to go I, love get that. I also love that it's just Duncan. Just Duncan. just Duncan. I'm like, you're not fooling anybody. I know what you really are. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this group of old guys who are, Always there. When it's nice, they're outside. When it's not so nice, they're inside. And the other day, I was watching them, and one of the old guys goes to the other guy's like, "Hey, how's your, uh, how's your wife?" And the other guy goes, "So far, so good." <laughs> and they are like in their eighties, and I just think it's right. so funny, but that like encapsulates the same thing of like, we're gonna continue to grow. We're gonna keep going together. So yes. far, the past 60 years, so good. <laughs> it's a, nev a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Is that a movie quote? <laughs> it is. It's the movie quote. The, the second favorite fandom of mine would probably be Superman. Yes. yes. I knew that was Superman. Sure you did. Okay. Anyway, before we go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> another fight. <laughs> let's go back to to Sean. Sean, so we've kind of hinted at the fact that you have children with your wife. So at some point uh, after uh, learning that you know it was more fun to be with her than to not be with her, and to be chasing the thing as opposed to not chasing the thing, and you know maybe the uh, the everything everywhere all at once of it all you found with her, and decided to get married, and then. Uh, appropriate, as Danielle put it earlier. So uh, what was that like? What, what what was it like making the decision to get married? How long after that did you start having kids? Those types of things. So we we got married. So we, we 
officially we were on and off through 2012 we got married in 2016 and it was always me dragging my feet on everything for a lot of the same reasons it was like you know marriage wow that's a big step and you know my parents are divorced and mm -hmm. i grew up at, at you know i it's one of those things where people you know we had joint custody and i was always bouncing back and forth oh. between my mom and dads and i remember somebody asked me once they're like is that like how is that for you like is that crazy like do you wish it was like normal and i frankly my parents divorced when i was so young that i was like this is normal for me right. this is normal but i'd seen a relationship fall apart and i'd seen like a marriage not work and i think that it always fed into my like my internal narrative of relationships and not necessarily wanting to get like locked down um and so marriage was kind of after four years uh like well three years of being together because i proposed to her the year that star wars the force awakens came out that <laughs> december uh again i can chart the entire I'll, I'll see if i can chart the entire course of our marriage the last time you were excited for a star wars with, movie <laughs> yes yes the last time i was really really excited for star wars uh but uh we we got married 2016 and we were living in the DC area. And then at a certain point I was like, you know, we I've lived in Virginia my whole life and she had lived in Virginia for a lot of her life, most of her life. And we decided to move to Atlanta and kids were always part of the conversation, but it was yet another thing for me where I was like, that's like the, the one of the biggest, maybe the biggest step of all. And that was the biggest, I think, uh, uh, the biggest disagreement, probably the biggest arguments we had were about kids. Cause I was very much like, and I would say this, and I would even maybe don't say this, Nick, uh, when you have the kid, but I would <laughs> say like, I was like, this is really hard for me. You know, if someone had pointed a gun at my head and said, you can either not have kids or have kids for the rest. Like you have, you have a kid or you don't have a kid for the rest of your life. What do you pick? I would have been like, I don't want kids. If I was at gunpoint, I would have said no. Um, and so at a certain point, I think, again, it was just a matter of like having the honest conversations about our feelings about it and really working through it and really understanding. And again, it turned into something where it was like, well, you know what? I, this is something that means so much to Sarah that I don't want to be the thing standing in her way, which I, I don't know if that's the best approach to say like, <laughs> oh, we'll have a kid for you and it'll, you know, you never want to say like, if you're in a, in an unhealthy relationship or a bad relationship, yeah. like you never, like, it's never the solution to the problem. Right. It's not like, well, we'll have kids and it'll fix everything. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully we were, we had a very good relationship and this was the only thing that was like a sticking point that it was like, we just were not really seeing eye to eye on. And it really just came down to me sort of saying like, Sarah really wants this and you know I I don't know if I want it but I think it would be okay if it's with her mm. and uh, so that was uh, Rory our son was born 2021 June 20 name. I say that no 2020 that yes 2021 um so because it's his it's June 22nd 2021 and uh, I sometimes say June 21st, 2022. Wait, that's not right. I don't know how old my son is. I'm a terrible father. Um, um, it's but, COVID times. It's, yes, time exactly. Is a weird thing. Time did not make sense at all. But, uh, <laughs> but so it was, and I mean, it was very, very tough. It's a very, very hard thing. And people are very, thankfully, I had a lot of good friends who had also had kids who were 
very honest and were like, what you're going through is okay. Like it's okay to feel this whole wealth of emotions because newborns are very, very hard. And for a while I was just kind of like, I don't even know if this is what I wanted. Like this may be, may have been a huge mm. mistake mm. to have this kid. And you would hear, and you'll hear this too, like, cause newborns can be very difficult. And our, our son was like very difficult. He was very colic, uh, the C word that nobody wants to say. Yep. Um, nobody will knock on wood here for you guys. Uh, but it was, it was bad. And it was definitely like, what have we done? What is this? What's happening? And that was very tough. And I would hear from couples and you'll love this too. And I'll say it to you as well as imparting wisdom. That's not going to be remotely helpful to you while you're in it. But when you get out of it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But like around three to four months when they get to three to four months and they start semi understanding who you are and being happy to see you and kind of interacting with you, it does change your perception mm. for a long time with Rory. It was like very upset all the time. Nothing seemed to make him happy. He, it was just this, like, you know, it was basically kind of this blob that you were like, I have to take care of this thing. And I think it hates me. Oh, and no. all right, but I still have to take care of it because I'm the only thing that <laughs> will, will keep this alive. You know? So it was, it was a lot of that. And you know, it was very, very hard. And, you know, Sarah and I really kind of, bunkered down and we're there for each other and we're in it together and then it did turn a corner and it did turn into like now i'm at a point where i'm like i can't imagine my life without him and i love him so much oh. and it's such a a gift such a blessing to have him in my life and it was hard but it's like you have to kind of go through you kind of have to go through that trial by fire to get to that it's not really about my marriage i guess i guess it kind of is but it's it's kind of the complications that can come with a kid, but also like the understanding that that's okay. Like it's yeah. okay. Conflict is okay. Complications are okay. Just like be honest with each other, be willing to talk and acknowledge like, yeah, this kind of sucks, but like, let's keep pushing. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it will come. Um, but yeah, good luck. <laughs> well, I can't imagine doing it, especially at the time that you all did. Um, you know, I, I, yeah. if, 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 the, if I have confidence that we will be able to get through it, it is mostly because of how difficult the sort of two years, three years of pandemic lockdown was for us and our marriage. And there were a lot of eventually we, we were both trying to protect each other's feelings because we both knew each other was stressed out and therefore that kept us, we were just kind of festering and sitting on things. And then right. once we finally did reconnect and start sharing things again, exactly what you're talking about is like, this sucks. This is hard. Uh, and I think we reminded ourselves and rebuilt and built stronger than they were before the tools to do that, which is what gives me hope that I think we'll be able to manage because like you just said, all you can do is be good at talking about it and, and, and being honest and be okay with the fact that, yeah, there's going to be portions yes. of this that suck. And like being being okay with like hating a baby <laughs> and like <laughs> and like being like am i an awful human being and then like you do hear you know i you know we didn't really do like a, a support group or anything like with other couples but it's something i would encourage and i i mean my wife would show me stuff she's a redditor she's knows reddit i don't use reddit really but she was just like going through all this stuff where it was just like reading stories mm. about the other couples and just their situations and you start to realize like oh thank god like i'm not alone because you do feel like 
there are moments where you're like, am I like the worst person on the planet? Mm. This poor thing needs me. And I am just like, I can't stand this. Um, but realizing that you're not, it, it, it's not just you. There are people who have gone through this as well and being willing and open to that, that, uh, that advice and knowing that you are, uh, you will get through it. It's just, it, it's good to have someone there with you to be a part of it and to, to tag team all the insanity. But I think that's the important thing is just understanding that it's not, it is not the first, first time anyone has felt this way about children. <laughs> yeah. um, and it will, it will get to a point where you're like, oh my God, this is the best. This is the best. And there's still challenges just like a relationship, but it is, it's a scenario in which like now, uh, I would, if I, if, or if this time machine button that we were using to try to get to the future <laughs> of this episode, if it had been working, I would take it a time machine back to myself at the point where I was like, I would never want a kid and kind of be like, it's, it's going to be okay. You're going to have a kid and you're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. And it has been. So, it, you know, part of that is just me growing, I think, but also just having Sarah as an amazing support in my life and her being so as wonderful as she is. So I love that. Just admitting the stupidity of my, myself in general, general has, has worked wonders for my relationship. And I'm like, yeah, I am kind of an asshole. Yeah. I am kind of stupid and an idiot. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Um, and then you're like, where do I go from there? I guess, uh, there's only, you can only go up from there. I largely agree and identify with that experience. Yeah. I also enjoy saying to Nick, wow, you're real freaking annoying. You know, like being honest with him about that too. With love. With, with love. love. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that's the case. And sometimes it's like, I love you very much. I can't friggin' stand to be around you right now. Goodbye. <laughs> the, the worst is, and just a recent example, my my wife points this out. This is a terrible thing that I do. I can't help it and I need to work on it. But when my wife says something, so, okay, we're going through Everybody Loves Raymond right okay. now, which is absolutely amazing. We watched, When we first moved in together, we watched the whole series and it, we loved it. And it's great going back through it again. There's an episode where the whole family goes to Italy and they shot on location in Italy. And I'm watching it and it's very clear to me they're on location. And Sarah says, she's like, wow, isn't it crazy how much LA looks like Italy? And I was like, they're in Italy right now. Like they're shooting in Italy. This is, and she's like, really? And then I, uh, this is when I went into full on asshole mode, which is, uh, I was like, well, this shot, this is, this is on a green screen. And it's like a, sh a shot of the family, like looking at the ocean, very clearly on location. I'm like, well, that that's in a studio. And she was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I didn't hate you, but that's uh, that's my my one of my terrible terrible things that I do that I can't I can't help that I'm sure you two can relate to. Yeah, the one time I looked at you, we were watching The Martian, and I was like, "Is this based on a true story?" <laughs> yep, that happened. <laughs> this happened, and it, the so guy realistic. the guy looked exactly I like know. Matt Damon, and he made potatoes. <laughs> It's all the cool thing about that movie is it is all, all for the most part. But the 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 guy Andy Weir he wrote the book and is just such a nerd that he was like I was just writing it and trying to think through the situation. It's like okay, but legitimately, what would I do to get through this? How could you actually get through this? So a lot of the stuff is like scientifically true, yeah, and could feasibly happen. Um, so you're kind of right. Kind of. It was it was intentionally designed to be like believable. You know what I mean? It's not yes, that far exactly. of a stretch. It's just that 
I thought it was pretty obvious that you would know whether we'd been to Mars or not. <laughs> <That's Yes. laughs> to be fair, I don't keep up with space. I don't like space. Yeah, space. And what Star good did it Wars, ever do you know? anybody? Yeah. <laughs> so we do normally ask uh, some variation of what is your sort of worst fight that you can remember? It sounds like you may have already said, and I don't know if you have any more to elaborate, but it was around no. having kids probably was worth it. Yeah, it was a lot. It was mostly a lot of our worst fights have been around kids. And then when we had Rory, there were a lot of fights of sure. just like, you know, me being just in a like a bad mood in a bad place. And it was, you know, there was a lot going on in my life. You know, I had we had Rory and that was tough. And then my dad passed away at the end of the same year. So it was just like and I was working a job I didn't like. There was mm. just a lot of stuff really like I was it was a point in my life where I was like, what? is going on. <laughs> like what is all like these terrible things happening all at once and kind of so i was not in the best mood and i would you know it was a lot of just kind of like really uh, before rory it was a lot of just fighting about whether or not we wanted to have a kid and then with rory it was just a lot of like i you know is this even what i wanted like what is my life now what is going on and i you know it was I try to cut myself some slack and give myself some grace for the stuff I was going through, but it was certainly a scenario in which I was kind of very selfishly like, I want to do this and now I can't do this and blah, blah. And it wasn't even, there are things you will find that in even podcasting, um, thankfully I've kind of kept up a consistent schedule, uh, but it's, it's tough. And I think for a little while I was like, will I ever have time to do this again? And you absolutely will it's happening right now look um and it you will it's just like the priorities shift mm. and that can be very very intense and scary and it's like well, wait a second how do i find my solid ground of the things i love doing and especially when you have a newborn that is literally reliant on you and you cannot <laughs> move without it <laughs> and hopefully in your situation again knocking on wood it'll be a very easy newborn who will sleep and will not care where he is with rory it was like you put him down like here's your play mat sit there and he'd play there for two minutes and then would be screaming and it's like all right we have to pick him up and put him somewhere else so it was a lot of just kind of like that so it's just a lot like an upheaval of your life and things that you used to be able to rely on to kind of like ease yourself and go into a place where you're like this is my happy place those things are kind of also upended mm. but it the balance does return it's and it was just a matter of i was i one of the things i struggle with is like i'm very like kind of tunnel vision i'm in the moment and it's like this is the moment this is the only moment it will never be any better it'll never be any worse mm. this is just the only moment that has ever existed and not having the foresight and the patience to kind of be like oh there is going to be other side of this where it's like oh wait th this is okay i can still do my podcast i can still play video games i can still geek out and watch movies and even go to a movie theater holy shit i can do that like so it, <laughs> it, you know it was a lot of the fighting was just me kind of like working through these things and not not uh in the midst of just everything else i was going through just feeling like why is all yeah. of this happening yeah but you know it is it's it's something they were all things that uh like they happened and I again tried to be more sympathetic towards myself going through those things because now I'm kind of like great you know I got a new job and I love that and you know Rory as he's grown up has just gotten better and better to be around and it's been easier and it's been harder in other ways but like it's been good so it's just a matter of like not not forgetting like things can be upended by any at any time by anything yeah so try and trying to remember like you know things can be hard things will be hard 
and just not uh, descending into that mode of like, oh, this is the worst, and, and I don't know what, what the fuck is going on, and I hate, I hate everything. So trying to use that as an experience that helps you grow and just kind of be a better person. But that that was mostly, I think, and honestly, I think uh, our relationship has been strengthened just by the sheer honesty and the conversations and just being able to go through that together and being very much like let's you know we will get through this we're going to get through this and supporting each other when she has a rough day and needs a break from Rory I can step in and vice versa and just all that stuff and finding that balance that's awesome uh, has helped a lot yeah I'm glad to hear that there's something you said there that made me think of the movie though where you said uh you know there's a line in the movie where he says something and I wrote it down to some effect uh you know, if I could just get comfortable with knowing that the world is like life is difficult and that there are right. going to be challenges, then I would stop being disappointed. And that's a, it's a very uh, crass sort of flippant way to look at it. But I wrote down something cause I will talk more in the second half about its relationship of this movie to everything everywhere all at once. And it's similarities and it's antithesis. but uh, Ooh, I want to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. It, and, but the thing there is uh, just like, that's a very Buddhist idea of like life is struggle. And if you just accept that it's life is its ups and downs, then it becomes, you know, much less disappointing if you want to put it one yes. way or, you know, yeah. it's just is, is would be, you know, another way. Yeah. It's, so. it's, it's the switch of feeling like you are entitled to everything yeah. and uh, instead just being grateful, like being, having some humility and just being grateful for like, you know what things are, this is pretty great. This is, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty blessed and I'm very lucky to be where I am and doing what I'm doing. So I think that's the switch is just trying not to be so like, oh, but I could be this or I could be doing this or I want to be doing that. And more like, well, but this is good. This is good. And if it's not good, like just taking the steps to get there. And it's hard when you're in it. It was very, very hard when I was, you know working a really difficult job and just yeah. being in all of that but I, you know without getting too much into too much detail I, that that part i also very much yes. identify yeah with. <laughs> yes so <laughs> like, it's hard it's very very hard <laughs> and when you're in and when you're in it it's hard and it's just like there is no other side of it yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, you finally get out on the other end and it's like oh my god mm. like the whole world how is crazy how crazy all of that happened but now whew, it's good it's good well danny any other questions well, yeah, we usually, you kind of gave us 15 pieces of advice, but <laughs> what I is I am it? just, well, I am so full of advice and These great, could all great be knowledge. These quotes yes. that you Pearls tattoo on yourself. Yeah, yeah, get the, the tattoo on yourself. Um, what advice do you have just in general for, like, keeping your relationship happy, healthy, and going, I guess? Keep talking to each other. Keep being honest with each other. It's what I love about this movie we're going to be talking about, what I love about the trilogy, um, because each sequel, they are a decade older and uh, in different places emotionally, but they are always talking to each other and always trying to communicate with each other. That is important. Um, and also just, uh, God, God, I don't know. Um, being, being, empathetic and willing to kind of sacrifice is such a strong word, but like being willing to put your spouse or your partner or whoever their needs above yours and being willing to say like, I, you know, I really wanted to do this today, but I can tell you're not doing really well. Mm. Uh, Do you need to get out of the house? And I will stay here with 
worry and take care of him and you can go do your thing and just being that support and being willing to be that uh support system when needed um but communication it, like that, it's such a bland thing to say but honestly it is so important to just be willing to talk and yeah. communicate and be open with each other and i think that openness and that honesty that you kind of hinted at or, or emphasized is is really the key i think yeah a lot of people are always like communication and it's like yeah okay you talk to each other but then right yeah people don't <laughs> yeah. hear it and they don't understand like there's a deeper meaning to that we don't just yeah mean, like make sure you are speaking to your spouse every day no 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 no. it has to be like <laughs> you're getting yeah. into it you know yeah yeah I agree with that. And I, you know, no, nobody is perfect. And there are days where I'm just like, I'm going to go into the new Final Fantasy remake just came out. Final Fantasy seven remake came out. I'm going to lock myself in my office and you will not see me for days. Um, but they're like always just try to try to find the time. And, you know, it's harder when you have a kid, but obviously just try to find the time to spend exclusively with each other. Sure. So you can just like you're not always just like we're we are always in the house and we're always being parents and it would be nice to go out and do something like try to find the time to do those things and hang out with each other outside of the, uh, the, the parenting. Yeah. Mode. yeah. I love it. Very good. That is very good. Very good. Good advice. <laughs> All right. Well then, uh, movie lovers, before we get to the movie, just, uh, some reminders that, uh, you know, if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you share it with a friend. Uh, you know what? The other thing I wanted to give as a plug recently is that I would love for people to just engage with us on social media. Engage with me on social media. Yeah, don't talk to me. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> part of why they have the podcast is, is we like talking about movies. I specifically like talking about <laughs> movies. And I listen to lots of podcasts, like Sean's. You should go listen to his podcast, Missing Frames. Because Group it feels like you're having that parasocial relationship where you're talking to a friend about movies. But you know what would also give me that? Uh, experience is if you listeners movie lovers were actually reaching out and uh talking to us about the movies that you've seen let us know when you watch the ones that we watch let us know what you liked or disliked let us know uh, whether you agreed with our ratings or anything along those lines and if you're feeling good about it you can also if you like our podcast rate us on your podcast app you know you got your spotify's your apples give us a five-star rating if you write anything and give us a five-star rating we will also eventually read that message on this podcast very quick and easy way to do whatever you want and share your own thoughts all you have to do is rate us five stars even if you then tell us you hate us i will read it on the podcast <laughs> but if you rate us five stars that's what you get um because podcasting can be really difficult and sean you know this I, I, do you edit your own podcasts oh yeah so i assume you're familiar with the concept too of like it can be very difficult to stay focused when you're doing a task like that and you're kind of bringing in different audio files or you're trying to figure out you know this part here or that part there and expanding and contracting how big things are I, I I I hate every second of <laughs> all of it. Every second. Well, what might make it easier for you oh, yep, sure is this thing called Magic Mind. Okay, oh. so Magic Mind is a uh, blend of matcha tea and nootropics and some different uh, mushrooms and things of that nature, as well as what they call adaptogens. And it is a it's a little tiny shot. It's like a bottle about this size. Uh, and you can take it, you know, as you're about to start something or you could take it uh, as you're sort of starting your day. They do recommend, you know, you take at least three days of you consistently uh, trying one of these shots. And I personally find that I am actually much, much more focused uh, when I am continually drinking this Magic Mind uh, little potion that they give you. Um, so I would recommend that. And if you are at all interested, Sean, or movie lovers, if that sounds appealing to you, uh, 
You can find uh, a 20% off code when you go to magicmind.com and then you use the code 20 movies no movies 20 it's the i gotta get it right <laughs> movies 20 the movies come try first. them both yeah. maybe they both work movies 20 uh and yeah so you get 20 percent off your first order and then let us know how it works out for you i want to know if other people are having the same anecdotal experience of much more focus and much more ability to stay uh on task and in a flow state as i am so sean let us know if you ever do try it, it it's gonna save my marriage <laughs> Well, speaking of saving marriages, uh, we have a, a movie to talk about, Sean. And uh, yes, so what is the movie that we are talking about again, so that movie lovers know what's coming for them on the other side of the ad break? So this is uh, Before Sunrise, directed by Richard Linklater, starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Perfect. Beep, beep, beep. All Wait, right. Where's that beep 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 button? Beep beep beep. Womp. <laughs> 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 you know what? We'll end it there. Womp womp womp. <laughs> Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> All right, we'll see you on the other side, movie lovers. In love with movies. Da, da, da. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome back, movie lovers, to the movie portion of the podcast. And you might notice I'm a little bit shorter than I was in the first <laughs> half if you're watching this. I had to sit on my bouncy ball. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a bouncy hurts. ball, I would, I would sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Doesn't that just sound like more fun? Life is more fun when you're sitting on a basketball. Yeah, I'm having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. All right. Well, we we might as well launch into the movie that we're going to be covering today with our uh, opening credits, as we call it. So just some basic who's-its and what's-its. This is the movie Before Sunrise. It was uh, written by, co-written by Kim Krizan, or Krizan, you think? I think Krizan, yeah. Okay. Uh, looks like she sure. basically has written or co-written uh, a lot of the other before movies with Richard Rinklater. Uh, she wrote, so this one they they technically co-wrote the original draft, but then Ethan and Julie came in and added a whole bunch oh, of their stuff. So it's a lot. I would say the characters and ideas and maybe some of the conversations are Linklater and Krizan, but I think a lot of it is Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. And for the future movies. It's Linklater, Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke who are credited as the screenwriters. Oh, well, uh, Krizan must have had some kind of credit, maybe because of like original characters or something. She did, like and that. they worked together on the original. So the way Linklater works, and I'm sorry, you're not, we're not, we're literally at the Love beginning this. of the credits. <laughs> but the way Linklater works is he will have a script, and for him working on this movie, he knew it was going to be like obviously a relationship film, and the the guy and the girl were going to have equal footing as far as the conversation. He's like, as far as a female perspective i, I wanted one. to bring in one of my exactly so kim krizan <laughs> was that for the original draft of the script but what he does that i love is when the actors came in he basically was like this is a blueprint for us but let's not be afraid to throw all of this out and let's just like improvise and rehearse and see what this becomes and then what happens is they do that they rehearse and link later will rewrite the script based on whatever they've come up with during these rehearsals so i i don't know what an original draft of this screenplay looks like i only know what julie delpy and ethan hawk have said about it and they've said it was less romantic and a little bit more just conversational Mm. so they added a lot of just the romantic Mm. interplay Uh, but a lot of it is them it really is them. And especially in the later movies that uh, it becomes 
more semi-autobiographical, not sure. completely, but in a way there is a kind of like, oh, where does Ethan Hawke end and where does this character begin? They're playing these characters, but it is very much them. In and, a if, way. and movie lovers, if you have seen this movie, you know exactly kind of what we're talking about. And that feel is very present in the movie. And it is, I predicted that was going to be the case because of when you look at the before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight, and the like lengths of time in between them. And it sort of feels like they're, t they're telling the story of these two people and where they're at, at very different stages of their lives and have them playing them at those different stages of their lives. And it's sort of informed the performances of like who they were as people at that stage in their life. And Richard Linklet, Link that Richard Linklater uh, is also not only famous for these, but the movie Boyhood, which is infamous yes. for sort of, it, that's one movie which intentionally sort of contained the same type of scenario for a young boy's life, essentially. And they, you know, took the same actor and they like filmed a bunch of stuff one year and then came back years later and filmed a bunch of stuff, came back years later, filmed a bunch of stuff. Yeah, which for Ethan 12 Hawk years they shot that movie every year. Which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I, that I, is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's just... And Linklater is known for these sort of art house types of very different ways and perspectives, and he's kind of pushing the medium of film. Uh, the other thing I saw that I know him from is Scanner Darkly, which is another uh, great, very artistic movie. But uh, Probably the thing people know him most for is either... you. If you've never seen a Linklater movie, I guarantee you, you have seen either Dazed and Confused or The School of Rock. Oh. Like those are two where I'm like Richard Linklater and people are like, who? And I'm like, you know, boyhood, uh, maybe before sunrise. No, uh, school of rock. Oh, I love school of yeah. rock. Everybody knows school yeah. of rock. See, now this is why I'm glad we have someone who knows it better because I'm literally kind of just listing top credits to, to see things that stood out to me. School of Rock didn't even hit what he's sort of known for, uh, yeah. which I agree with you. It's, like, that's it's his a highest much more well known. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's great. Movie. It's great. I love School of Rock. It is. It is. It is another good one. Uh, the movie as uh, we've uh, has the composer Fred Frith, and I wrote that down because I actually really loved the music coming into it. I have a note about like this is just this beautiful music that's happening. Uh, and then by the end of it, you realize that that's because it's the same uh, harp, piano, harpsichord, whatever you call that uh, piece of right. instrument that's entering and then exiting for both ways, which I thought was very cool. And, and it stars Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, and it basically only stars them. There yes. are characters that come <laughs> in and leave, but there's not a whole lot of other people um, that have any noteworthy appearances. Ethan Hawke listeners, uh, you may know him from movies like The Purge. If you're Marvel fans like us, you might know him from Moon Knight. He played the villain in that. Or Training Day is probably one of his other oh. very famous ones. And his daughter is uh -huh. in Stranger Things. That is correct. Mm -hmm. And a couple other things these days. There's his like, daughter with Uma Thurman. Yeah. Because he was with Uma Thurman for a little while. She looks a lot like him. Mm-hmm. She looks a lot like the two of them together, especially <laughs> if you go look and see like dangerously She is the perfect young Uma Thurman, yeah. the perfect encapsulation of that bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then Julie Delpy is a little less uh, sort of famous, at least in the United States. I saw she had a number yeah. of sort of foreign credits, but the big thing that stood out for me is uh, she was in American Werewolf in Paris. So, if hmm. anybody's seen that movie, no. oh, that's right. Isn't I, that like a sequel? Is that supposed to be a sequel to American Werewolf in London? I think, like kind of. Yes. Yeah, and, and no. apparently it's not good. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, but I can remember watching it when I was younger, uh, and I probably stopped because there were boobs on it when it, uh, you know, was scrolling through the movie channels when I was you younger. You stopped watching because of the boobs, or you? No, I stopped, stopped flipping the channels. <laughs> You're like, this is a movie a I want to watch. Right now. Yes. 
yeah, this movie no. is very interesting. Julie Delpy's boobs. Uh, I can't remember if it was hers, but I like she's got one of those faces that I then realized like, oh, that's that's obviously what I know her from because she played. <laughs> you saw the chest first, <laughs> and then you I've, saw I've the... seen her boobs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it is now time before we get to our love stories for everyone's favorite segment. It's time for Danny's Dingle. <laughs> A train. <laughs> Europe, <laughs> Germany. I learned that. <laughs> uh huh. An argument. A blonde girl. A dark boy. Sit across from each other. A conversation begins. Then it continues. <laughs> then it continues. Then it continues. Then it, it keeps ends. going. <laughs> and then, see you in six months. The end. <laughs> very good. That's literally the very whole good. movie. That's that is basically in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean that is that's 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 very much the case. Usually with Dingles, I gotta sometimes look back at my notes because you know plot happens in movies. <laughs> Not this one. Sorry. Nope. See now, I could have thought about and, and I'm curious because this would lead into our conversation. But there are a number of like quotes from the movie that I might sure. have just been dropping had I, I, got, I got had I needed there. to do the Dingle myself. But uh, the, our love stories. Danny and I had both never seen this movie before. I can I add on to that? Please. I've never even heard of this movie before. Now, <laughs> see now, I that doesn't surprise me, given uh, that I'm the this whole endeavor of the podcast, as we've said before, is about expanding your cinematic education. Um, and so, while it also helps for me, because I had never seen it, uh, I had heard of it, and. Uh, people like uh, Sean or others who are sort of bigger movie fans even than me or bigger nerdy geeks uh, when it comes to movies have, have talked about it, have a high opinion of it. So it is kind of a missing frame for me. It's almost as if, yes. you, you know, a bit of a crossover here. Uh, Sean went ahead and picked one that is one that is, in my opinion, something I should have watched by this point in my life. And so now I get to say that I have. But ours are far less interesting. Sean, we want to know what your love story is with this movie. When did you first see it? Oh, I have a whole, there's a whole story with this. It's very exciting, actually. It is a really cool story. So I, um, right after I graduated from high school, I was still living in, like, at home, and I was going to community college, and I hadn't left, hadn't transferred to the college I would end up graduating from. So I was still in the area, and my old high school got foreign exchange students, which we had never done when I was in high school there. And I was so furious. I was like, what the fuck? We didn't get anything that cool when we were in high school. So I, uh, I still had friends at the high school and uh, I hung out with them and a couple of them were hosting Austrian students. And I fell madly in love with uh, this sweet Austrian girl. Her name is Bernadette. Uh, and we I we did not have a conversation. I was too scared to have a conversation <laughs> with her. But it was like I like her, and basically being in the same room with her and other friends, and uh, being too nervous to talk to her. Um, but before she left, I uh, I bought her uh, a, a a book, and I bought her. I can't. I think I got her like chocolate or candy or something, and then I got her something like stupidly American, like something like you can only get this in America. And I, I gave that to her right before she got on the bus to leave, presumably forever. So this was October 2005, late October 2005. Uh, flash forward to January 2007. By this point, I'd kind of been in touch with her. And this is pre, like, Facebook existed, but not as it is now. Mm. So really the only communication means we had with the 
these Austrians was email. And I had become friends with a couple more of them and had started planning out a trip to go to Austria. I'd never been out of the country before. I haven't been out of the country since. <laughs> um, not because this was a bad experience. It's just because I'm a lazy asshole. But I uh, I planned it out. It was like, well, I'll go and I'll be able to meet these people who were awesome. I'll get to see this girl who uh, you know I was head over heels for. And the night before the trip, I was chatting with a friend of mine, Tommy, and I was explaining the situation to him. I was like, here's what happened. This exchange student came over and da 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 da, da and I'm going to see her. Um, and he was like, this sounds like the plot of Before Sunrise. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And he's like, oh, you should see it. It's amazing. And I was like, sure, sure. It's amazing. Great. And I, I you know, one of the things we, we film, uh, the nice way to refer to us as film nerds. You could also call us just plain assholes, pretentious <laughs> assholes. So as he's explaining to me how wonderful this movie is, I'm going on Rotten Tomatoes and I discover it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, okay, so maybe wow. it is good. And there was a sequel out before sunset that was released in 2004. And that movie I was very, very highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes as well. So I started looking up clips of the movie and I was like, oh, this seems like something that would be up my alley. Um, the next day before my flight, I, uh, <laughs> I went to uh, Barnes and Noble and found Before Sunrise on DVD. I went to Best Buy and found Before Sunset on DVD. This, this is in the days where media existed at Best Buy. Yeah. Um, I bought both of them and I bought a portable DVD player. Um, and uh, my friend who was coming with me, on the plane. Sadly, this was like an eight hour flight and these movies are relatively short before sunrise is an hour, 40 minutes before sunset is like an hour and 20 minutes. So it didn't quite get me through the flight, but I watched them both back to back on the plane during my trip to Austria to see this girl and ended up going to Vienna um, and seeing a lot of <laughs> the sites that were in the film, That's including cool. the Ferris wheel, including all kinds of stuff, which was just crazy. So what happened is I would finish the movie and then I'd hand it back to my friend who had his own DVD player. I'd be like, here, this was amazing. And then we were jet lagged in our hotel room. And I was like, do you want to watch the second one? He was like, sure. So we watched the second one. Uh, I watched it twice within like a 24 hour time span. And I, I loved it. I loved it immediately and was very moved by it. And uh, I, I don't remember the point where it was like, oh, these are my favorite movies, but it was probably not too long after that, like by the time I made it to film school, I think I was telling people my two favorite trilogies are the Lord of the Rings and Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise trilogy, if uh, that makes sense at all. Very two very similar movies, uh, <laughs> two very similar movie trilogies. But that is how I I discovered this movie. It's also tracks that you went to film school. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's it's how you know produ things. producing many, many podcasters <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> That's really cool, though. They kind of just like got to live it immediately. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was surreal. I don't even think I appreciated how crazy it was that it was like I literally watched this movie on the plane and then, oh, I'm in Vienna. This is not a place that is within driving distance yeah. of me normally. It's, again, the only time I've been out of the country was that experience. So it's, it is very cool that that's how I got to watch those for yeah. the first time. And did you kiss Bernadette? No. Oh, no. 
<laughs> no, no. We we did we hung out and um I, maybe did I she kissed act her like on she the didn't cheek. want you to be there. <laughs> she was she was miserable. No, she was she's a very very sweet girl. I was it was as far as the shortcomings of whatever our relationship was, it was one hundred percent on me. But we <laughs> we are still in touch, and I will uh I'll message her every year uh, around the time that we first met to be like, holy shit, it's been almost twenty years since two thousand five. <laughs> like this is crazy, and she's very sweet, and I think she's married now i don't know exactly what i don't know what's i don't i don't i don't, I don't look at her facebook regularly i i don't stalk you're not her stalking her facebook. to find no, out no yeah, of yeah, course not no. but we we uh we reach out to each other every so often just to be like how are you good it's great to hear from you great so it's it's sweet nothing nothing like before sunrise as far as the like the intensity of that relationship and romance but that kind of sort of maybe not really but kind of <laughs> That's cute. I was an American and she was not an American. So <laughs> there was that. Yeah. And we ended up in Vienna. So. Yeah. I think this movie later on was reminding me of I studied abroad after college. I like volunteered uh, to teach English in Peru. And like we had a couple of weeks off or weekends off and we would just hostel hop. And it just reminded <laughs> me of meeting foreign people and kissing them (laughs) (laughs) it was very exciting i mean that was part of what was so yes part of what was so exciting about the foreign exchange program happening at all was you know again i'd never been out of the country i'd never really met anyone from like not someone my own age really from like a completely different continent like maybe like Maybe a couple times, but nothing like it. It was definitely a, this is not a normal experience. So this right. is very, very exciting. And that kind of like romance, which is in the movie of like this person that you might not ever mm-hmm. see again. And mm-hmm. this is the only time you have together. Yeah. I was very, I still am to this day, very obsessed with a lot of the stuff that Link later explores in his films and really comes into play with the, uh, the other before films. But the idea of kind of this single singular moments and it being singular and this is the only time it will ever happen and it's contained to this moment and it will only you will only be in that moment once that kind of thing i was very i am still obsessed with that idea and i love that idea and i love the way he plays with time in his films and so as a kid kind of like you know in my uh late teens early 20s like starting to really feel all these emotions for the first time and really starting to understand the ethereal nature of time and things like that this movie was like very on like i was 100 on board i meshed with it very very strongly i was like yes i get this and this is the 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 love that i want to pursue in my life forever and ever amen I think that's so cute. Sorry. And I was going to say, when I was watching this movie, because I had personal feelings around it, I was like, that was such a magical time to just like, you didn't have anywhere to be. You didn't know this human. You didn't know this city. And that's where you were in that time. And it made me think about like our future kid and like how I want him to have that experience one of these days too. Yeah. We've both talked about wanting to... Not push, but, you know, like... Encourage. Yeah. I, I, my dad encouraged me, and I never you, did it. You want him I to move I out had. of the house yeah. eventually. Well, that too, eventually. But, no, so you mentioned him playing with time, and I think it, he does that a lot with the technical aspects that he does as well. Like, it eventually turns differently uh, later on 
when he starts uh, to to have there be cuts and have things to kind of montage a little bit. But the very beginning of this movie, I would say the first solid 30 to 40 minutes is basically actual real time. Like you yeah. are just, from the moment you see this character first on the train, uh, both of them <laughs> reading books, which they would never be reading physical books. I feel like nobody does that even on long trains. <laughs> no. they like, well, they wouldn't even be talking to, they'd probably have their phones or something. Uh-huh, like, they'd be talking, be talking to somebody to else instead of making that conversation. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, then you, and so it prolongs it and it forces you as the viewer, I think, to sort of be there with them in a way that um, you are not normally with characters in a movie because right it, like that's not normal and it feels abnormal and i think it sets you up to start feeling like i am here with these characters in this moment and i'm just like i need to give myself over to that and then later on starts moving a little bit faster because you know he has less than two hours to tell a story that has to do with like 14 or 16 right. hours but uh, it sets that up. And in fact, it feels so uncomfortable at first that Danielle, I wrote down 11 minutes in, 11 <laughs> minutes in, she puts her hands in her head and she goes, this movie is so boring. <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell him that. <laughs> I think that he understands. Yes. But and, it was a shift. You're right. Like I was very bored at the beginning because I, right. I didn't know what to expect, first of all. And then I was like, oh, they're talking. Like, that's it. But then you actually, like you said, you get to know these characters on a mm-hmm. level that you don't get to know other characters. And so you're like, hmm, what do you think about this? Yeah. The conversations they have, I I think are so, like, they're so interesting, but they're so, like, the conversations you have at that age. Yes, I had that. That it's very much yeah. like, you're, you're like, I, and, you know, I was younger than them when I saw it. And now what's weird is. I, <laughs> I've been tracking my age with these movies. Obviously, I've been in love with these movies for a long time now. But, you know, when I first watched it, I was younger than the characters. And then suddenly I was 26 and I'm older than the characters. Now I'm 37 and I'm older than they are in the second movie. And I'm reaching <laughs> the age they are in the third movie, which is crazy. But it is like, you know, I was 20, 20, 19 or 20 and I was really, really like... I I had been starting to whether you know through the internet we had all these amazing connections to people you could meet people all over the world but in general I was really starting to uh, embrace the idea of like connection through conversation really like sure. of just like no 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 let's talk like let's break down the barriers and like whatever uh, ideas or personas we put up I would rather get to know this person and understand what we're going through and really connect on an emotional like authentic level so watching this movie it was like oh this is like speaking to me this is what I want to be what's weird is you know uh not intentionally I think the it <laughs> I was joking about like where does the couch end and where do I begin when I'm sleeping on it and just being lazy and spending a day marathoning movies on my couch but I at a certain point um I, when I was re-watching Before Sunrise, Sarah, my wife, she came in and she's like, you like have adopted a lot of Ethan Hawke's mannerisms from <laughs> And I was like, I guess I have, but I think this movie definitely pushed me into that direction of sure. like, this is the kind of uh, storytelling that is meaningful to me, where it's no frills, people trying to connect with one another um, and having those authentic situations and conversations. And I think in my own life, it kind of was like, oh, I, I'm i not the only person who feels that way. There's clearly like 
uh, you know, so, somebody else, nobody has heard of this movie, but somebody else felt that way and has put that into cinematic form. So it kind of encouraged me to kind of like continue to push into that direction and feel like that was uh, a valid pursuit yeah. like feel like it was something that was like this is this can be meaningful and it is something i want to keep doing and, and the beauty of those connections and that makes a lot of sense for your podcast too now with that context but i do think even the even though the these particular conversations end up being sort of those ethereal unique ones there's also a lot of time in this movie given to the mundanity and yes. so, like, the fact that there's so much time, like, spent on this this couple that's fighting that f sort of first causes them to be introduced. Or there's a later scene when they're in a bar and there's, like, a good 30 to 60 seconds, which is a lot of real estate in a movie like this, uh, that is cutting from other people's conversations to other people's conversations. And it's in all these different languages. And it's sort of the idea that every single one of those conversations, for as far as you know is just as important and meaningful and beautiful and horrible and all of the same ways that the conversation is that the two of them are having throughout the entire movie. And so that was one of the notes I wrote down and it kind of, you were talking about this reminded me of it was it is a lot of mundanity, especially in the very beginning, but throughout the whole movie. But the thing is, I think that uh, Linklater is trying to articulate the sort of beauty in the mundane. And yeah. that was one of the things I first wrote down because I kept hinting at this is it's very similar. I think in that way, to everything, everywhere, all at once, in that that movie is sort of like the beauty of just life. You know what I mean? And that, yes. that, that you can just see that. And there certainly anyway. in a more like flashy and yes. exuberant <laughs> and insane the way. Movie but I've definitely, ever seen. but like getting to the point as well of that, like, like this is meaningful. And he calls it into question later. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get to it with Ethan Hawke. But yeah, it was that, or like we covered the movie Soul on this podcast before, which is another one that just sort of is an animated film, but it. it it's that, and I always appreciate being reminded of that. And I kind of, even as we were watching it, I think I embraced it sooner than you, but I know you eventually got on board with like just being there and like that moment that you have together. And that right. I think we're just, we're so constantly driven from thing to thing or stuff we're doing or this task that we have to complete. And there's just so many things competing for our attention that we don't, you know, for lack of a, to, to sound, you know, contrite, don't stop to smell the roses to, to quote Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I think also this movie is a good reminder that human connection exists and is important. Yes. Yeah. I think about like, would this happen? We were just saying with the phones mm -hmm. in today's day. And I think there is something again, magical about being abroad. Like when I was abroad, my f I didn't have a phone. It didn't work, <laughs> but that was also like 10, 12 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but just like truly finding connections in people that you would never otherwise come across yeah. but a lot of and there's times an, we're missing there's an it. added sorry to interrupt there's an Wait. added layer of like the internet doesn't exist so yeah. it yes. is like as they're trying to figure out like should we exchange numbers no let's not do that that would be stupid but it's like it would be oh i'll find you on facebook and then yeah. the relationship their worry is like it'll teeter out and we'll just stop talking to each other but that is a genuine like fear to have because that typically is what happens and just that lack of social media, that internet connection does also give this sense of like, this is the, this is the only time this will ever happen. And we only have the here and now, which doesn't really exist anymore because of, of the internet. It's ruined yeah. everything. Yeah. It kind of, <laughs> Nick and I met this guy two years ago now. You're talking about Marcus Brown? No. Keddy. Oh. We met a guy when we were traveling to Philly in line to go see Liberty Hall. What's it called? Yeah, no, you got it right. 
<laughs> that important place in America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Rocky Stairs? <laughs> he came with us at that, but he was <laughs> very much like clearly not from there and just started talking to us. And he's like, is this the right place? And it turns out he's a, a French man who was born in Tunisia and just like his story. He didn't speak English super well. But, like, we ended up spending the rest of our trip with him because of his stories. And, like, we had nothing in common because we don't have the same background. But we were able to just talk about things that, like, like this movie does. Yeah. Thoughts yeah. and ideas and things like that. And philosophy. It's not – yeah. And that's what – I mean, I think what kind of makes this movie deeper than just standard romance is – it can work on, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I met a girl and it's exactly like this. Right. It's like, oh, I met somebody and had a really strong connection, had never met them, like didn't know them mm -hmm. and then spent this whole day with them. And it was awesome. You know, I went to a, a Wilco festival uh, <laughs> in 2022 and uh, I didn't know anybody. I went by myself and was just like, this is going to be great. And ended up meeting this like group of really cool guys. And we just hit it off. We had a similar sense of humor and just like really got along. And like, but it is, it's a simp without like the romantic, or maybe because of the romantic aspect, I won't kiss and tell here, but like it was a, it was a, this movie kind of is representative of more than just like uh, romance, that like really strong connection you can get from a complete stranger right. and mm -hmm. those like lightning in a bottle moments that yeah. become so meaningful to you that just are like, because you were open to this experience, you were willing to open yourself up to uh, something different happening to you you were able to have this very very meaningful relationship come out of it yeah agreed yeah and i think that openness is is an important piece that is also uh, emphasized in sort of that concept of the beauty of the mundanity and the idea and the reason link later chooses to have time with these other conversations that are happening and by the way like i said in various different languages that there are no subtitles given yeah. <laughs> to explain to yes. you what what is happening like yeah. you have no idea what these people are saying uh and, and i think that's there's sort of that the idea that like any one of those conversations is always uh has at least the possibility to be you know just as beautiful as this sort of lightning in a yeah. bottle situation and so letting yourself be open to those situations those lightning in a bottle times um you know is like one of the things that we need to keep in mind in life before sunrise 2 uh without talk like the sequels are uh necessary viewing they do what great sequels do what or what the best sequels do, which is they enrich the material and they enrich mm. the film that precedes it and the characters. But the first film in this trilogy is very um, focused on the magic of like that young spontaneous love of meeting someone in a foreign country. Neither of you know this place really and you're discovering it for yourself there are like magical mystical characters that kind of come in and <laughs> yeah. out that yeah. emphasize the magic like the fortune teller and the, the poet, the poet. Uh -huh. yeah all these different people the guy who lends them a bottle of wine when the, they promise they will pay him back or ethan promises he'll pay him back ethan as if that's the character's name <laughs> jesse promises he'll pay him back but there's a lot of this movie is very like it's young love in your 20s. Right. And what's interesting about it is, and what I try to tell people is I've had people watch this movie and kind of be like, I, I really enjoyed it, but I, you know, it feels a little like 
it's almost too romantic. It's almost too like unbelievable that this love could be, you know, I don't know, like movies, like relationships like that don't last because you can't keep up that kind of that spontaneous enthusiasm throughout an entire relationship over years. And I'm like, well, you should watch the second one. You should watch the third one and see what those movies have to say about not only this relationship, but relationships as a whole and love because they, as these characters get older, they grow more mature and life, the reality of what life is and what relationships are. It's like, this is the magical moment and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I love before sunrise for that, but I almost love the sequels more because they say but here's what happens the next day here's what happens in reality when outside of that magical moment like you have to deal with like time moves on and people change and what happens like can you can you maintain a steady relationship with somebody like how do these things work um each movie just kind of enriches the one before and this with one i love because of the fact that it is a little bit more sentimental it is a little bit more uh, like this magical thing and it's not like it comes across as phony or, or right. too saccharine or anything like that it's very grounded and they have very real conversations about like death and the nature of time and the nature of relationships but i think each movie be moves further and further into reality um and i, 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 I appreciate that I would argue that I think that it, it is actually grounded in reality because of the circumstances, because of everything that we talked about with like the, the sort of magic of not having the internet, not having, like you just have this one moment, this one choice. I also, there was a brief moment too, as she chooses to follow him and she's about to step off the train. I like that they take a beat where you can see her pausing and just thinking like, am I really doing this? Am I about to get off of this train with a complete stranger and have no, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's a, it's a potentially dangerous thing. I was yeah. going to say, there's only one time in the movie where I thought she could get murdered because <laughs> <laughs> right. she doesn't know when she's like walking <laughs> along the river and they're like kind of fighting a little bit. And then the poet breaks it up. But then it actually, I like that it turns out that she could be the murderer. Cause she, yes, writes she talks about, about the, the spiders, the spiders yeah. killing. Yeah. Yeah. What I, I can't the the word uh, rooster prick. Yeah. I, like, I, I was gonna say rooster prick, but yeah, that's a good word. Uh, milkshakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I love so the the story, the behind the scenes story of Ethan Hawke, his character Jesse's pitch to get Celine off the train with them. So in the script, it, I don't know what it was in the script, but apparently Julie Delpy was like. I don't like this. I would never get off the train with this guy. Sure. I don't like this guy is weird. This is not going to make me get off the train with them. And and her and Ethan Hawke were talking about it. And he's like, well, what, what would you get, get you off the train with them? She's like, I don't know, but not that. So Ethan went off and was like, okay, okay, let me think about it. And his pitch in the movie is the idea that he came up with that Julie was like, okay, I would get off the train with that guy. The idea of like, you know, I, you know, this insane idea, like picture yourself a few like years down the line and you're in a marriage and you don't, you know, you don't feel that same passion and you're wondering what would happen if you had hooked up with one of these guys that you let pass you by. I'm one of those guys. Julie was like, okay, that I can get behind. If the guy was like, if he pitched me that way, I would, I could buy getting off the train with him. So I thought that too. that's, that's kind of how, that's how, and I love like Link later was like, let's do that version. Like it's, you know, he wasn't, he's not one of those directors that's like, I wrote it this way. He's like, that feels more authentic. And the actors feel more driven to bring yeah. themselves and commit themselves more to this crazy movie idea. The whole time 
<laughs> Ethan Hawke kept saying, who the hell is funding this movie? <laughs> who the fuck is giving us money to make this movie? Are you serious? Like, is, what is this movie? Like, we're just talking. Like, you know, he was just yeah. like, he's like, I cannot believe somebody gave us money to make this movie. <laughs> but I'm glad they did. And, 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 and I think you're right about that authenticity. And I think the reason it's authentic is for exactly the same reason that you were talking about with like who you are at that age that these are two contemplative characters who are just sort of mature or contemplative enough to realize that like they might be a different version of themselves in the future. And you sort of mentioned that, you know, for earlier in our first, first half of the podcast, you were talking about part of what you had to do with your wife is kind of get out of your own way almost and realize that, you know, you needed to stop waiting for the next one, the what if the, this, that, and this is the same thing as it's just like kind of the flip end of it. It's like, well, there's going to be what ifs, you're better off to at least, you know, not have it been this one thing. Give it a chance long enough for you to know for sure, like, yeah, that was never going to work out, as opposed yes. to leaving it as it's, this what if that then becomes the thing that eats away at your relationship potentially in the future. Exactly. It's the idea of, it's the person who is afraid to take the chance. This movie is for them. Like, yeah. it's like that person who's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I should do, like, this movie is about, like, if you take that chance, you could, like, the rewards could be, like, life-changing that kind of thing and this movie is kind of that encouragement of like when you are young or when you are in a similar experience like do like take that chance what like why why the hell not like yeah, go for it just give yourself over to sort of the the randomness of the night because you you talked about Ketty and meeting someone I actually had a note in terms of we had a trip to LA one time that we are people who are like I mean we're recording earlier this evening because we like to be in bed typically before you know like 100 like <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago we were in LA right before pandemic so it was 2019 and we ended up having one of those nights that like I just at one point looked at my watch and it was already 4 30 in the morning morning and in fact then we had another one the same thing and it was just you kept because we were there we were totally on vacation we were there with friends who were able to just sort of be, the, be on vacation themselves at the time you know what i mean you give yourself over to sort of whatever is happening and we went yes. from like place to place to place to place and i can remember having deep conversations with complete strangers that our friends were introducing us to and just really well, we also carried. <laughs> I don't She's remember like, I don't that at all. I had deep conversations with Nick Delgado, the like women he was trying to go into business with. Oh yeah, sorry, I you got know, really excited. Would we never have had those conversations with anyone. Or Nick Delgado, we ended up like late night getting like food at some you know four a.m. place and sitting down and like just talking yeah. about the nature of life and things. And we karaokeed with uh, some football. Person, Tony some Parrish, former, yeah. the former Bears player. That you're talking. You're talking to the wrong person. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> Sports, what sport? He beat the, the he football. The he touched a sport ball. Yeah. He yeah, it's okay. The... okay. I didn't know who he was, but I just kept harassing him. I was like, come on, Tony, sing, Tony. And then I Google him. I'm like, ah, shit, he could have taken me out. Well, of course he could have. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a perfect example. Like, if we hadn't been just willing to, and that was like, you know, that karaoke bar we went to, and I think we had to wait like two hours to be able to get a room because they clearly like prioritized people they knew or something. And, you know, right. there was discussions about leaving. It's, so it's just that be like, no, I'm just going to be here in the present moment. And yeah. then yeah. magic can happen. Yeah. Everyone has that, that moment, that like mm -hmm. magical night. And like there are many times it can happen. And I think before sunrise beyond just being about these two people is very much about trying to like, hone in on that feeling and that emotion and what can come from that experience. Mm -hmm. I agree. Agreed. I also have one with uh, Roberto in Mexico where I got proposed to. All right. We've heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> we've heard about that. Enough My brother the other day was like, you peaked in Mexico. 
Um, for him, it was that was not a magical experience. For <laughs> that's something he would prefer nobody to make a movie about. But the other thing I think that's kind of cool about this movie is it, it, one way I think it probably does represent the the time. But I still think even now, as I'm much years later, is interesting. There's just a lot of sort of random galaxy brain moments and like statements and comments and things that are said. Like I literally like I first time I wrote down galaxy brain was where he has that point where he says, you know, where do all the reincarnated souls come from? Yes. And I was just like, and what if, the, yes. what? <laughs> I love, I love it so much. And that's link. I mean, it's a link later. Link later brings out that vibe and the people he works with. And I can, I see that very much as link later speaking because it's a link later idea. It's like the reincarnated souls, where do they go? And if we're the reincarnations, are we like a, a, a one hundredth of the souls that lived before. It's like, that's very much a like, yes, I'm here for it. This yes. is my kind of movie. I'm here. Yeah. Agreed. I wrote down a lot of notes too, but I just think it's cool to follow their, uh, what is it? Stream of consciousness. Well, we can go through some of that too. The next one I have is it's a healthy process to rebel against everything that came before, which I think yeah. is also a sort of like just beautifully, uh, simple idea a lot of this stuff too is it, it, you know i this is also a sales pitch for you two to watch the other two movies because i do think they are essential i think it's like watching star wars and being like you know i don't need to see empire strikes back or return of the jedi i'm like are you crazy <laughs> uh, these these movies uh, and they're the this movie and its sequels they all are in conversation with each other in such an interesting way and it's amazing to see the 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 talents of everyone involved in making these movies and their writing and the direction and the performances. It's, it's so fun to watch them nine years later, mm. discuss similar ideas and they have different perspectives mm -hmm. on them. Mm -hmm. um, not to spoil anything, but in this movie, I think in before sunrise, when uh, Jesse asks Celine, like, do you believe in reincarnation? She's kind of like, yeah, like, or, and she, I, I think she, says like she doesn't believe in god but she, the magic of like this space between um and in the second movie uh she's like yeah i think re or the first one she's like reincarnation yes and the second movie he asks her again and she's like no like immediately she's like no they're in their 30s they're a bit more cynical a bit more jaded it's very interesting to like see the way these people change and evolve over the years it's to am, allow that to happen is a very brave thing to do but it makes it way more interesting I'm also curious about it because I have a note that um, Jesse is a very cynical character. And yeah. Like, you know, but he's, and it's this weird, interesting uh, push and pull where he like wants to be romantic, but there's like this part of him that's just sort of bitter. And so it His made a lot of sense. Broken, I was going to say, yeah. when you find yeah. out that like he literally just got broken up with, this is why he's so bitter and cynical about mm -hmm. love. Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's funny too. Cause you know, the fortune teller has all oh, this magical moment and he's like, you know, she probably just that, that stardust stuff. Like, you know, it's not, it's not really, I love that. And I, the roles change in the later movies oh. you, it, I, without saying so much too much about it. Say, their characters evolve in a very natural way. And it's re it's incredibly, um, it's incredibly fulfilling as a sequel, uh, but it's also, it makes everything that happens in before sunrise more interesting and almost it. Great sequels elevate the movies before them. And I think sunset and midnight elevate each other and this movie without spoiling anything answer this one question for me 
do they at least return to? Because obviously it's nine years later. Do they in a story or talk about whether they met up six months later or how they kind you, of you will you will later. find out in before sunset whether or not okay. they met again six months later that is that that's that all is, i will say that is enough for me i was already like i'm interested in this for all of the same sort of deep philosophical growth of personhood reasons yes. that we've been talking about but i was like if they don't at least because the two are together nine years later you don't know whether they just got together again randomly because they bumped into each other nine years later or did they get together and then they've been together for nine years like i don't know but if they have just been together for nine years and never stopped to address that six right. months later i would be so pissed right. <laughs> so it, it is it is addressed in the film okay so just just know that noted i have a question sean because you Love have it. you know all the things i know everything the man who plays the drunk poet or the on drugs poet did he also go up for the role of Jesse? Because he looked exactly like Ethan Hawke, just strung out. Wow. I I don't think I don't think he did. Okay. Uh, I don't think he did. That was my thought. Uh, speaking, but speaking of Ethan Hawke uh, and just the process of him getting cast in the movie, um, Ethan was introduced to Linklater's work through Dazed and Confused, as a lot of people were, and he loved it. And I think he'd seen Slacker too, but he was a big fan of Linklater and his work. So when Linklater kind of pitched him on Before Sunrise, uh, Ethan was like, I, I love, I'll do anything. Like he was like, yeah. after Dazed and Confused, I will do whatever you want me to do. I would love to. Um, and he took it as he was being offered the role. And Ethan Hawke, you know, this is 1995. He's a, he is, and kind of today, he's a relatively bankable star. Like, he is a name. Like, yeah. people know who he is. He's not Tom Cruise level, but he is Ethan Hawke. You know who Ethan Hawke is. When I tell people about Before Sunrise, I usually lead with, it stars Ethan Hawke. Because <laughs> that's the only thing people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I know him. But um, he took Linklater saying, yeah, 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 it would be great to have you in this movie. He was like, awesome. He thought he had the part. And then he was like, and then I found out I had to audition for the role. He made me audition, which, you know, Ethan was like, oh, it's such a blow to my ego. But I had to kind of like, he really wanted like to know for sure. And I had to audition with like different women and da, da, da. And one of the funny things is uh, the line where uh, Celine, they're on the phones in the restaurant, the fake phones. And she says, he kind of kisses like an adolescent. Yeah. The first time they <laughs> kissed each other uh, in rehearsals, she laughed and she was like, you kiss like an adolescent. And they were like, we have to put that in the movie. So a lot of this stuff was coming from them and their experiences. But I love, I think Ethan was, I, I don't know who else auditioned for the role. I don't know a hundred percent who was up in the running. I don't think it was that guy, but I always thought it was funny that Ethan Hawke was like, Oh great. I got the role. And Linklater was like, great. So you're going to audition. <laughs> he was like, Oh, Oh, okay. And right. is, did you tell me Ethan Hawke is also in boyhood boyhood? Yes, he is. Yes. So he had worked with Linklater. Before? This was, they'd work. This is where they first worked together. And then there's another film called The Newton Boys with Matthew McConaughey and Ethan Hawke. I haven't seen that. That's also Linklater. I hear it's all right. And then I, they, uh, there's a movie called Waking Life that Linklater made that is a rotoscoped film, which means it, uh, they shot it live action and then they had someone paint over it frame by frame. So it's this fascinating animation wow. it's very surreal it's about like dreams and like the dream state and like what it's like to dream it's lots of conversations and 
this is before before sunset so it's after before sunrise before the sequel um celine and jesse make a cameo appearance in a scene in waking life and this is like 2001 ish um and that was the moment where i think they all were kind of like you know what maybe we need to make another one of these because this was really fun to be doing this these characters to see these characters again um but uh, i don't remember what the question was now that <laughs> we've was, come and we've come to it, it i the don't poet was auditioning but i have another question then love it is it fair to say that ethan hawk is link later's muse since he's in like yeah, every single or one yeah. versa i definitely think they seem to have one of those uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese types of relationships. Yes, I, I, I think they've Ethan Hawke has been in enough with Linklater and loves work. That's right. We were talking about Boyhood. Um, what's funny about Boyhood is that movie started filming in 2002. So when I'm watching that, oh. I'm thinking, oh, okay, so this is they shot this before before sunset, and now we're wow. getting to the point where he looks like he does in Before Sunset, and then it, uh, Before Midnight was 2013, which was the year before Boyhood was released. It's just the the stuff with time. I love all of it. Yeah. But this is all to say, uh, uh, I don't know. I forgot the question again. Uh, that's this is all this. This is what happens when you get old and you have a kid. You don't remember things. It, it that was are what literally is he his muse? And I actually heard yes. Ethan Hawke. I'd say yes. In, a, in an interview, like on reels or something like that, was gushing about you know how Linklater does his process and how much he really appreciates and, and enjoys his process. I, so. I think it, Ethan Hawke. What's what's great about him is he is like he's a quote unquote big star. Right. But for him, it was like I love this filmmaker. Yeah, I love, I love his brain. I love like that, that's it. I love that Ethan Hawke, who is like relatively mainstream, but is like kind of have has this artsy fartsy side of him yeah. that really wants to be in a movie that is just about these people talking. Or when Linklater calls him and says, "Hey, I have this idea of like a coming of age movie about a kid growing up, and I think I want to shoot it." Uh, for 12 years i think i want to shoot it like a little bit each year and ethan hawk is like i will do whatever i can to open up my schedule and make it work i don't care like you can pay me as little as you need to pay me for this to come in under budget and make it affordable i'm i'm in uh, they're they're besties and i i love seeing i i love that this first movie it was obviously collaborative but i love that uh julie and ethan were then credited as screenwriters for the sequels because it's very clearly the three of them all working together and not limiting to uh, uh like okay ethan writes for jesse uh julie writes for celine and richard kind of oversees everything they are all writing each other's lines and there are lines where like uh jesse will say something kind of snippy as like a quick insult to celine that people will be like i can't believe you let him say that to you and julie will be like actually i wrote that line <laughs> and i love i just love the collaborative process they have but i i think so. ethan hawk is arguably uh his uh league later's al pacino or leo <laughs> dicaprio yeah. definitely there is that relationship yeah and actually julie and ethan have great chemistry i agree yeah they're super believable as a a couple that falls in love overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it also is the, we talked about the realism, but they fall in love overnight. And we talk a lot on this podcast about how movies often give you that romance and there's nothing. They show you nothing as to why these two people would be head over heels in love with each other. They like over the course of that one night have had 
three conversations of, you know, two minutes each versus, and this is where we were saying earlier, you know, oh, it seems fantastical or it doesn't seem possible. I actually think it genuinely does, but it's because these two characters have the kinds of conversations that your average romantic relationship will get through in the course of months. Yes. And it's the pressure cooker of this is our only night. We are never going to see each other again. Why hold anything back? And I truly believe, and we've told this story before on the podcast too, is it's like, it's that willingness to not hold anything back. That willingness to go and share every thought that you have that bakes the true connection uh, with another person. And they just found themselves in a situation where they were able to choose to just, why not do it all in one night? And so it's almost like you get to fast forward on the relationship in a way that does feel more believable here for me than it does in other movies. And I think a lot of times with movies, did you want to say something, Danny? I said, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of times with, with great movie romances, this is something when I was pitching like just this movie to a friend of mine before she'd seen it, she kind of was like, yeah, but you know what I hate about those movies is they end and it's like, this is a pure, lo- like true love and it's amazing and wonderful. And she's like, but then like no relationship ever like pans right. out like that. What happens at the end of it? And to that, I say, watch the sequels, watch the sequels. Each, each movie in this trilogy is a comment on love in a different decade and a different stage of a relationship in a way that like, you know, the before sunrise is beautiful and optimistic and you're in your twenties and before sunset is kind of the flip side of that. And you're in your thirties and <laughs> what is love and what does, what is this moment in time that, what does it even mean in the context of an entire, you know, it becomes, and it's not to play down. Like, I think the magic and I, I agree with you, Nick, I think it is like, it's very believable. And even in its most magical moments, it's very believable, but it's definitely like, it's very romantic and it's not romanticized, but it is definitely the idealized version of like the perfect person in this wonderful, amazing moment. And before sunset and before midnight kind of dissect the idea and bring it into like the light of reality in a way that's like a little depressing, but incredibly rewarding. Like in a way that's like, I can't imagine not having these movies and seeing these additional conversations because it it enriches not only the films but it is it's almost like the responsible thing to do is to kind of have these characters come back and acknowledge what they've been through and say like yeah it you know we are not the people we used to be and we've changed and it's i think as far as films go uh you don't you definitely don't see a lot of that and you certainly don't see a sequel being made nine years later based on a film that maybe grossed a few million at yeah. most. So it's, it's definitely uh it is a, uh, it is a gift. It is a gift. These films. Damn it, Sean. You got me <laughs> wanting to watch the other movies. Link later. Uh, he should about... be, he should be paying me. He should be paying me. <laughs> I was just about to say, maybe we will have gotten her convinced enough that we can have you on again for one of these kinds of conversations. I am uh, into it. It could be a year, for, year or two from now. We're going to need it a little bit of time. It could be nine years from now. <laughs> this could be nine years. <laughs> nine years. We'll revisit yep. it. Um, but we do need to, therefore, uh, kind of land this bird. And uh, this is actually uh, hinting at what I think Danielle may feel about this movie, which is a good thing. Uh, I do have one other just brief, quick thing that anybody else can then add to if they want. But I just I love there was a line, too, and I think it was the fortune teller to them 
but it was someone who sort of wired says you must find peace with yourself in order to find true connection. And it just really stood out to me because that's been something I personally, and I literally, I have just above here a little sort of affirmation that I had written for myself. Uh, And it is my intention is to find peace within myself. Sorry, find peace within self in order to find peace with others. And to me, that's a key piece because it wasn't even just find peace within myself, but it was like find peace with what it is to be a self and that all of the multitudes that that contains and that that I think then also informs your understanding of being able to be connected with others because every single person has that entire multitude of selfness. Right. This is deep shit, and I think I need to cleanse myself with uh, some real housewives after this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. A hundred percent, yes. But before we do, any other thoughts uh, before we move on to our heart ratings and uh, whether or not we renew our vows? Uh, I am very excited to see if you do decide to watch the other two, uh, what you will what you will think. Me too. Because, uh, yes, it, it's it's very, very cool that they made more of them and it's even cooler that they uh it makes it feel like a real relationship and real people and i love it i love it so much i love feeling like they're out there somewhere and that maybe <laughs> another movie will drop and i'll be like oh there they are um one last story this just reminded me um sundance i did sundance uh press for the 2020 film festival so right before <laughs> covid and there it, it was before sunrise premiered at sundance in 1995 and it was 25 years later 2020 you know so i was there and ethan hawk had a movie premiering at sundance it was uh he played tesla it was a movie called tesla and so i was on the red carpet for tesla and ethan hawk was there and uh right before he left i said ethan you and i have a mutual friend and he said who's that and i said you know the 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 uh the best-selling author Jesse Wallace, because his character becomes an author. Uh, I said, you know, the best-selling author Jesse Wallace, and he goes, I do know that guy. And I was like, I only see him, you know, every nine years or so. He's like, yeah, yeah, I only see him every so often. I'm like, I hope he's okay. Are, like, are you? Is he and Celine? Are they doing okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they're great, they're Aww. great. Um, but he he reached out, he shook my hand, and that was my moment on the literal 20th anniversary of Before Sunrise. Oh my. I, uh, Got to share that moment with Ethan Hawke, which was Aww. great. That's so that cool. Is amazing. Yeah. I thought you were yes. going to say he was hinting to you that there's another one coming, but. I would. So all three of them have uh, uh, an understanding, which is that if they can come up with an idea that all three of them are excited about, they will do it. it they come out every nine years and we are past the nine year point for before midnight or since the last one so they talked about it a little bit and we're saying like we you know we're we aren't making one right now but i guarantee you they're uh, they're besties and they're having conversations i don't think it will end as a trilogy i think there will possibly be one more at least and uh i hope there is I think that we've talked about this before on the podcast too, that life is kind of chapters. And I think that those chapters at that stage in life, you know, very early in your adulthood, nine years is a great time to like, it's probably breaking up your chapters. I do think once you get later on that mid (laughs) life, midlife, there's a longer chapter there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yes, it's hard. It's harder. It's, Harder to make that compelling. You yeah. lose the kind of like, oh, you're, you're in love and, and it's magical and da da da. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I, I, I think they have another one in them. I hope they do. Cool. 
Well, I'm crossing my fingers for it as well. And I'm, I'm on the fence. I couldn't decide whether to give this movie a perfect five out of five. For your heart? For my hearts. So this is our heart ratings, movie lovers. Sorry. If, if you're a first-time listener, this is our heart ratings. Zero to five hearts. It's supposed to be a relatively objective uh, measure of whether you think this movie is. You know, what, what the it's pretty hard. Is. Like, I come into this, and it's like, yeah, your favorite movie. I'm like, yep. what? yeah, what's he going to rate this movie? Uh-huh, is uh-huh. He, does he have an objective opinion about this movie? It's okay. It's okay. You, you know what? Some of the earlier ones, Danielle was giving, you know, 5,000 out of five hearts. So <laughs> oh, great. You, okay, d- good, you do good. what you got to do. But great. I think I'm going to pull it back. I am going to do 4.75. Whoa. Okay. If you I, round it up, it's still a five. <laughs> <laughs> I was between those and, and 4.5, 1. Point, I, I like brought it up to 4.75. I, I personally, for me, can't give it perfect because I'm going to ding it just a little bit because you can see some of the glimpses of like cracks in the acting, especially with some of the side characters. But even with our mains, uh, there's some really bad ADR at some points when they're walking <laughs> along the, uh, the things. And then I'm not sure I wanted them... To have sex together, which leads to a question, by the way, we should have had. Did they have sex together? So mm. let me pause real quick. Sorry. That's, uh, that is also something we will find out in Before Sunset. Haha. Okay. Well, then that, that's perfect. We don't even have to discuss it. We can find out later. Um, and I will just say, so 4.75 out of 5. I do think I will renew my vows because now I'm excited for having another conversation, hopefully with you, Sean, about uh, Before Sunset. And I may have a need to watch this one again before I watch that one because it might be a year or two from now. I would even say watch Before Sunset and then go back and watch Before Sunrise because you may end up appreciating it more. Hmm. Okay. Um, Danny? I- I'll give it a 4 out of 5 because I was a teen. A bit bored. <laughs> um, but would I renew my vows? Nah, I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> but I do want to watch the other ones. All right, watch the other ones. Yeah, yeah you watch the, and that'll count. That I'm counts. curious. I'm curious. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if we can be held in suspense any longer. How about you, Sean? <laughs> Five. I renew my vows all the time, forever yeah. and ever. Amen. Love it. Love it. Well, that is everything that we have, movie lovers. But and more. This was a, a very long and insightful conversation. I like hearing what you have to say about these things, Sean. Thank you so You're much. Smart. Thank you for... You're very oh, smart. Oh, you guys. You guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I agree with you. And if you like the things that Sean has to say about movies in general, you should go find his podcast. There's listeners. a podcast for that. Tell us about it, Sean. It's Missing Frames. You can find it wherever you do your podcasting. We watch all the movies we should have seen by this point in our lives. I did do the Before Trilogy, so you can find those episodes. Uh, my, My dear friend John Mills had never seen them before, so that was a lot of fun introducing those to him. But there are plenty of other movies. The Godfather, I introduced that to my wife. She introduced me to The Princess Bride, which, believe it or not, I had never seen all the way through. Lots of fun stuff. So, yes, feel free to check it out. Well, maybe next time we'll be able to convince you to grab a babysitter and uh, we can bring <laughs> Get her, her along on the show for yes. the, the next conversation. That would be fantastic. She's also been on some great episodes of yours. And where can people find you on the socials, Sean? I am on whatever Twitter is called now, uh, <laughs> at EA Sean Dorman. I'm infrequently on there. Nick, as you know, uh, it took me a little too long to respond to your message about this episode. Um, I'm there and I am uh, on Letterboxd at, uh, it's not at, it's just Sean Dorman. <laughs> Sean Dorman 05. All right. And Danny, do you have anything to plug? Uh. No, I'm going to unplug some things pretty soon and probably take a break. (laughs) And go to sleep. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, movie lovers, you may be listening to this after we have given birth. It's quite possible. Uh, and by we, oh, I mean so my Oh, that's so exciting, wife. though. That's so, I'm so excited for you, too. Thank you. So, so glad that I don't have to go through it again, but very excited for you. You, you can find me at Nick Loves Movies. That's N-I-C-L-U-V, love. Nick Loves Movies on pretty much all the uh, socials that exist. Uh, but even more so, the socials that exist, we are at In Love With Movies. That's the letter N, Love With Movies, all spelled out. And that's, you know. Blue sky, threads, whatever, whatever thing. All the stuff. We have the things. We have the things. So, thank you all very much, and uh, I love you, Danny. I love you, Nick. And we love, we love you. you, Sean. Thank you very I much love, for being I with love, us. I love. I know. <laughs> and we love you, movie lovers. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. In love with movies. Da da da. The birthing process, she was just joy over overjoyed, just sparkles and stars shone behind her. It was it was just magic. Yeah, I heard if you're in that kind of mood, you uh you give birth to the baby and then your afterbirth is just glitter. <laughs> yeah. We did it!